RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Long time The Offspring drummer Pete Parada announced in August 2021 that he was being dropped from the influential punk rockers tour punk band they are, or yeah, they are, they still are, after refusing the COVID-19 vaccine for medical reasons. And he's opened up about his exit from the band. You might have seen him with Tim Pool on The Culture War with Tim Pool, and he talked about how he ended up with him being fired from The Offspring. And it's my pleasure to welcome Pete Parada uh, on the show on RCR Breakfast. And Pete, you're beaming in from Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for giving us some time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay. So I'm just thinking punk, anti-establishment, yeah. never never do what they say, the establishment, never believe what they say. It's really a class war in the end. What happened to that? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Um, you know, I the the whole music industry kind of lost its mind. You know, I mean, when everyone was pulled off the road in 2020, I mean, I was uh, with Offspring. We were in South America when COVID hit and um, it had been bubbling up on before we went down there to a point where my wife's like, are you guys really going to go down there? Like there's this virus going on. You know, this is March, early March. And uh, I'm like, you know, I don't have any say, you know, I got to go. And we got down there. First show got canceled. We played the second show and then we left. Then the promoters finally said, oh, yeah, this isn't safe. And I think that was March 17th. We flew home. Right. And like a day or two later, I think we found out if we had gone from Chile to Brazil, like we were supposed to, we would have been stuck in Brazil for a month or more. <laughs> okay. um, well, they, that's not such they, a bad thing. I've been there. Yeah. It's a lot of been fun. Worse, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But so we made yep. it home and it all shut down and then it was just a waiting game of like well when can we work when do we get back to work and you know it took over a year and i i think the biggest problem for the industry was once you've or not just the music industry but everywhere once you've used so much propaganda and gotten so much fear into people where they're afraid to leave their home, how do you unring that bell and be like, okay, it's safe to come out now. Everyone go back to giving us your money and come clap for us and this and that. And I think the the answer that the industry came up with was, oh, well, they have this vaccine. We'll, we'll, we'll have a, all fully vaccinated tours. And so everyone on the tours will have to have this. And then that way we can feel like we're okay people. We're not terrible people for going back on the road and and wanting people to come out. And that's all fine, I guess, except for, you know, you're, you're mandating it on it's, it's all business decisions. You know, as much as everyone wanted to act like they cared about protecting people, it wasn't, they were protecting profits. So the industry didn't want to grind to a halt. They wanted the whole cycle of, of opportunity and earning and yeah, they needed it to start. It had to come back real quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do we get the money flowing again? And so the answer seemed to be, Oh well, we'll we'll just tell everyone that you know everyone in the bands and crews are fully vaccinated and everyone's perfectly safe and you know and then you get big acts like the Foo Fighters playing two or three shows where it was like you had to be proof of vaccination, not testing, like had to have your your card to get into the shows. And I don't, I think they did two or three of those, but that's can all. Can you believe took. that? Can you can you believe oh, that? I believe it. Everyone no, else no, it happened. Memory but, hold it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, wow, eh? Um, yeah. That hasn't aged well, surely. And and um, I quite like the Foo Fighters, but I, just speaking personally, I, it, with that knowledge, I can't quite bring myself to have the enthusiasm 
I'm, okay, I'm right, right there with you. It just it leaves a sour taste in my mouth because while they only did that for a couple shows, that set the table for everything that followed. You know that that the whole industry looked at the biggest band in the world and said, "Well, they did this thing, so now we all have to do that, so that we can go back and play shows too." And so I, by June of 21, I knew that that was headed my direction, and um. You know, I thought that we would have some conversations about it. And we we were in the beginning stages of kind of discussing like what our options were. You know, I had a medical exemption from my doctor. And out of nowhere, one day I just got a call from the band's manager that was just a flamethrower and just just annihilated me. Well, what sort of relationship me. did you have with that person? And uh, maybe it's good to clarify your position in the band. Uh, because I was you just sort of you intimated before that you were kind of it was up to what they decided, like you kind of weren't on yeah. the complete inside what's going on? i w- i had been there for 14 years but i was still for all intents and purposes looked at as a hired gun even though um in 2019 I, we came to an agreement where i was finally being brought in as a percentage partner and everything was still in the works of being worked out and should have been retroactive to 2019 and when all this happened that all collapsed everything went away uh, is that a bit of a kind of a business move on you as well I, I don't get you. I don't think it was. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I don't think so. It wasn't wasn't going to be a huge a huge partnership, okay. but it was I yeah. was finally going to be a member of something after putting in 14 years. Well, 14 years 13. is a stretch. There's no doubt. long time. Yeah. So. Um, oh, so what sort time, of relationship did you have with your management? Because you said a flamethrower. Presumably you knew who these people were and had some kind of reasonable relationship with them up to that moment. Yeah, this guy was pretty new. He don't he oh. started working for the band right before COVID hit. So I had only had a couple conversations with him. None of them were good. Like he, I just found him to be an abrasive person. But I didn't expect this because I'm a pretty easygoing person. I'm pretty friendly, mostly compliant. Like I, you know, I like to say I, I ate every plate of garbage they ever served me. But the first one I sent back, I was gone. But this guy came at me like a flamethrower and just left no room for speaking, didn't care about any of my concerns, just said, you know, he made it crystal clear in his own belittling, uh, threatening way that I was to get the shot or I would be replaced. And that was it. Those were the options. And that was that was that. And, you know, I tried to talk to the guys about it afterwards because I was kind of shocked from the call. I remember coming up and talking to my wife afterwards, like, I don't know what just happened. Like, this was... It was like an annihilation. And, you know, I, I'm a drummer. We're in the background. We understand our place in the world. I, I know managers don't have a lot of time for drummers because they don't care. But this was another level. Like, you know, I've been in this business 25 years or more. I'm used to being treated kind of crappy, but this was a, a whole new level. It was unnecessary. It was out of line. And I tried to talk to the guys about it. They backed him up. There wasn't much conversation to be had. And, you know, all the, after that, it just kind of turned into radio silence. And I found out that I was replaced from my Southwest app, my flight app. Um, I checked to see my flight to rehearsal and it was canceled. Is that and how you found out? That's how I found out. And oh, then I checked later, later that day, my my access to the band's work calendar was revoked. And But that was it. Just radio silence, just ghosted. That, that's a shocker yeah. to be treated. It's like. a shocker. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. And so... I kind of was in shock. You know, it was like, is this how my career is going to end over this stupid issue? Like, none of this makes any sense. And so I I gave it a month of just kind of kept quiet, stayed out of the way. But 
they were gearing up to go on tour. You know, I was supposed to be in rehearsals. We we're getting ready to go back out on the road. So as they're booking shows, they booked a show in Nashville. So now all my friends in Nashville are calling me up looking for tickets to come to that show that I know I'm not going to be at. Oh, yeah. And so now, left right. Yeah. And now it's like, well, do I have this conversation hundreds of times with each individual person? You've got to put something happened? up for everybody, right? That's what you had to do. Right. So we, we you know, I wrote a statement um, explaining my position, explaining what happened, why I wouldn't be there anymore. I didn't say anything bad about the band, wished them well, and just, you know, here's here's my position. But ultimately, it was regardless of my reasons for not doing it, anybody should have any reason they want to not do this. You yeah, know, it's an experimental procedure. You don't need a, an excuse. No is a complete sentence. And, but, you know, so we put the statement up and I kind of expected like a firing squad because that's what I was used to on this yeah. issue. And it, and we got just nothing but support really. I mean, you know, 99%. We had a few people calling me every name in the book and really angry about it. And some of the fans were really upset and, and you know, blamed me for everything. And, but for the most part, it was like the same story over and over from people all around the world going, I read what you wrote and it really spoke to me because I feel like that and I thought I was the only one. And we kept getting that message. I thought I was the only one that felt this way. And we realized like, oh, because that's how we've all been made to feel through this. Like the nonstop yeah. fear campaign and the propaganda of everyone's got to do this. Oh, it's for the greater good. I'm living proof that even if you had a legitimate excuse not to do this, it didn't matter. And that was part of the point was, you know, for the people pushing this to act benevolent and say, well, everyone has to get it to protect the people who medically can't get it. And I go, well, I'm one of those people. And it's like, no, screw you. You get it too. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the the nameless, faceless people. Like if you're a real person. Yeah, who are we talking about? Is it granny or is it uh, autoimmune compromised? Is it this yeah. or that or LGBTQ? I don't know. Yeah. And it it didn't, I was trying to show that it didn't matter. It didn't matter if you had a, like, not that there needs to be a legitimate excuse. Anyone's reasoning for, well, for you said a medical exemption before you mentioned that. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and many of our listeners will have experience in, in applications for that. Not many yeah, were luck. granted here. I'm telling you. What was no. the, uh, I mean, you don't have to tell me and I'm not trying to pry, but kind of what were your circumstances? In terms of I, the medical exemption, I have a history of of bad reactions to vaccines dating all the way back to my childhood, and finally got a diagnosis of a Guillain-Barré syndrome, which is oh. an autoimmune reaction. And so, you know, it's gotten progressively worse over my lifetime to the point where, at, you know, when all this came around, you know, I'm not I'm not overweight. I don't have any pre-existing comorbidities, comorbidities. Yeah, i'm not yeah. yeah i'm not in on any prescription medications like i'm fairly healthy i'm not the target demographic for this virus to be an issue but my history of of taking vaccines has always been an issue and so for me it just didn't make any sense to take it it was it was more more risk than reward for me and so it didn't it didn't add up and um and it and that didn't matter because everyone had to do it. That was the only way you, you had to do it or you were out. You had to you had to get this or you were a terrible person. We're never going to speak to you again. And to just be cut off and cast out to sea overnight, like you never mattered. Like in, in you know, and it's like okay, I guess I never did. That uh, that's that's depressing, well, but yeah, good to, to them, know. But to them, yeah, but you found right, out that actually you did matter. 
um, yeah. as you were describing just before. Um, I want to get on to how it's turned out for you short, uh, shortly, you know. But um, I'm just curious, the manager who was sort of like flamethrowing you and, and sort of blowing you up, were you listening to some person sort of manically uh, reacting to fear? Is that what it's, the person sounded like? Because I'm always curious as to why people get that can be that hostile and that brutal in these situations, because that's a repeat story as well. Was that someone talking to you who was just freaking out? I don't I don't think it was fear. I mean, I, I'm not one to try to guess what's what someone's intentions are. And yeah. I, like, I didn't yeah, but they can sound a certain well. way, right? When they're talking to you. I I think this was just how he operates. I think. What about his, your band members? Then? To... Because they backed him up. You said. Yeah. What, how, how could they disconnect from you so easily, quickly, do you think? Still don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Our families were super tight. Our wives were tight. Our, you know, we all traveled the world together. What happened with families. the wives? What was the fallout with the wives then? I'm... There's no fallout. We were all just cut out. So like, everyone oh, divided. Oh. Everyone. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. that's how it goes when when you're out of a band. You're you you lose oh, yeah. everyone in the divorce, right? That's that's how it goes. And I understood that. Um, but I just, to me, it was like, wow, this isn't a cut you out of our lives forever situation but that's what it turned into and and i think even worldwide everyone got so amped up and divided over the last five or six years that they just shifted into this well you're on this team or you're on that team and and my problem with all of that is that there's no room for nuance anywhere there's no room for discussions or even having questions or or talking about something you just weren't allowed and i'd never seen in my lifetime a situation where you weren't allowed to ask questions and you weren't allowed to to have concerns about what was happening. You were just supposed to shut up and do it. And as long as you do, then you're fine and you can keep in the good people club. But, you know, as soon as you miss a box, you're just out. And, you know, I was called all kinds of, of names in the book and just people made assumptions about my politics and this and that, which... I'm not offended by any of it. It's just not accurate, you know. Like I had, I I had people saying like, "Oh, well, you're a you're a huge Trump supporter." I'm not. I you oh, know dear. I'm friends with lots of Trump supporters. I voted for Bernie Sanders. I don't know how much farther you can get than that. Like I don't. I didn't think that Donald Trump or Joe Biden spoke to me in any in any sense. They don't represent me. They don't re- represent the average person. Like it's just. It wasn't for me, you know, and I, I at the time really believed that Bernie Sanders was somebody that I thought at least cared, uh, at least would try. Yeah. But yeah. and, you know, so to get you just get kind of cast out to sea, you know, and then I started seeing, you know, these write ups and articles of, you know, that I'm far right and this and that. And I don't have a problem with anybody on the right. On the right. I don't have a problem with people on the left. Like, I'll talk to anyone. I like to have a good conversation. I don't feel that I belong to either party anymore. I'm not welcome with the Democrats. And I I kind of don't quite fit in on on the Republican side. And so I'm I'm sort of out in the middle looking for another option. But the the way that everything went down was just really, really shocking. And while we got a lot of support, it was brutal because, you know, when I spoke out, it was, yeah, I need to let people know I'm out of work, like legitimately yeah, dry How did now. you cope with that? How did you cope with that, Pete? I mean, we had to scramble. I had to, I had to try a dozen different things. I mean, yeah. I'd, 
I, I, you know, thankfully I have a, where I'm sitting here in my house, I have a recording studio where I record drums for people. And a lot of people started um, giving me business doing that. So that kept us afloat while we kind of figured things out and found a way forward. But, you know, you just end up in a position where you're, you'll, you have interest in anything like, all right, somebody wants me to, you know, score a cartoon theme song. All right, I'll do that. You know, oh, somebody needs drums. I can do that. Oh, somebody wants me to uh, do a, a score for their short film. Okay, I'll learn how to do that. Well, that but sounds really cool. It's really cool. But while your world is collapsing and, and you're not oh, sure if you're going to make any money, it's terrifying. So, yeah, while creatively it was a rebirth. The first couple months after all this went down, like I, I was a disaster. You know, my wife and my two daughters, nobody, I wasn't left alone. Like somebody had eyes on me all the time, making sure that I was, you know, keeping it together and not doing yeah. anything crazy. And thankfully, you know, I had so many good people reach out to me. I'm like, hey, how can I help? What can I do? And, and Tim Pool being one of them, like really picked up my story early on, was super mad about it. And I wasn't really familiar with his show or anything because I just kind of was out of the loop and people kept going, Hey, Tim Poole talked to you about on his show. I'm like, He's I don't big. know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, but then it was like, Hey, Tim Poole talked about you on Joe Rogan. And I was like, all right, oh, this is crazy. Okay. Now you're getting out there. Now you know why you yeah. stuck to yourself. Right. Yeah. So, so then I reached out to him just to say thank you. And he's like, Oh, you know, um, let's make some music together. I didn't oh, know he really? was a singer and a songwriter and a guitar player. So we've been working on, on music for two years, which has been just wonderful for me to, to get back like that reignited my love for playing the drums between him and a couple other of my friends that were like, Hey, you got to get back on the drums. I know you don't want to, you got to get back. I'm like one of my friends drove down from Michigan and was like, I'm coming to your house. We're going to make a record that next week, we're just going to make some music. You got to get back to playing. And it was so sweet to have all of these people care enough to go, Hey, I, I, this sucks. This shouldn't have happened to you. I'm sorry. Whatever I can do to help. Let me, let me do that. Which was so nice to balance out the amount of people who left, who ran in the other direction. You know, it was easy to see who would, you know, even little mundane things like who unfollowed you on Instagram that week. Like there was some pretty big people in my life that took off real immediately. And, you know, not forever, but it's like, you see it happen. You're like, wow, that's disappointing. Like I've known you for 20 years. Like really that you're going to just bail over this. Like we're not going to talk about it. So that it was a lot of juxtaposition of disappointment measured with new opportunities and and new things. So while it was a really hard, I would say probably the first six months after that were really difficult and brutal. And I didn't talk to anyone. Like I turned down on all the interviews, you know, when my story went viral, everybody from CNN to Fox News to MSNBC to every show there reached out and everybody wanted to have me on, but it felt like I couldn't trust any of them. No, fair enough. You know? I think that, that yeah. was, you're right there. Yeah. I'm like, well, this you know? isn't going to do me any good. This is, they're going to twist it, right? They me. can, they, they twist right. those sorts of, you come in there, you think, oh, they're all very nice. Next thing you see the edited version, like what the hell? Yeah. So I just ignored all of it and I didn't say anything. And then the first person I did an interview with, it was a year and a half later was Tim Poole earlier this right. year, you yeah. know? And, and when I sat down with him and finally told the whole story and it was nice to, to get it out. But also I think it was nice to have waited because I had enough distance and enough perspective that 
you know, I, I didn't want to come off as like some angry, bitter person. You're, you, you're just, really mindful, Pete, yeah. the way you approach this. I, I sort of picking up on that. You know, you're not rushing into anything. You're thinking it through um, yep. and you're taking your time. I mean, that's a lot of people would do well to, to operate like that, I think. Well, I, I think it's better to be thoughtful because I, I, everybody was put into the worst possible situation in the last three years. Everybody was challenged and everybody was tested. And I don't begrudge anyone for navigating it however they had to, however they took care of their family, however they took care of themselves. I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. I never was. It was never about that. But, you know, for me, like the, what, what we lost in there was there was a real loss and I worry about something like that happening again. And that's why I'm still talking about it. You know, where I get a lot of people yelling at me online going, let it go. You're bitter. And it's like, I'm not bitter. I'm not a victim here. That's not what this is about, but don't, don't tell me it's over and we should all move on when, you know, also on the TV, it's saying mask mandates are coming back and go get yep. your new booster. And now your old ones don't count anymore. So now you got to start over. And so I, I'm just like, did we learn anything over the last couple of years or not? I, I think we're about to find out, you know, but even the people that reach out to me now and say like, well, you know, I got my first two shots or I got the booster, but they're like, I, but I'm done. I, I don't feel good about it anymore. The whole thing feels hinky. Like all the, the coercion and, and the, I mean, you got offered everything from a free donut to a cheeseburger, to a lap dance, to a lottery ticket. To, lap dance. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah lap we dance. never got oh, the lap dance here. We got the KFC. There was a brothel in Europe that was giving away oh, free, right. free appointments. If you, if you came in and got vaccinated there, like, you know, it's, it was crazy though. And it's like, if you have to put that much effort into offering bribes, like your argument's probably not very good to begin with. But no one and, sort of picked up on that either. That you know, it was sort of sort of mentioned, but um, yeah, that was everyone was afraid to speak up, though. And that's what I found out. You know, when I said something, was like, well, I guess somebody's got to say something, and and everybody was like, I thought I was the only one. I, I and or we get a lot of, I wish I could say something, but I I don't want it to cost me anything. And it's like, well, it's costing you either way. You can pay now or you can pay later, but how much? How many more of your rights are you going to allow to be eroded before you're willing to finally say that's enough? And that, I don't that know indicates a, a um, I think some people have described it as military grade um, psychology because people were so quick to think that way. It's almost like, I mean, that happened in record quick time, didn't it? Yeah. Well, that's what you were bombarded with it everywhere. Yeah. And every leader around the world got their talking points every morning. The day that it was a pandemic, over and over vaccinated, it yeah. spread like wildfire like that. Oh, that's our new thing. Maybe that'll work. Oh, well, let's try this. And it now works. the new thing, <laughs> Right. But now the new thing is, well, we never mandated it. Nobody forced you to take it. We never said you had to. And it's just like everything is on video now. All of your statements are there for posterity, but they don't, they just know that people have such short attention spans. They, no one wants to look into anything. It always blows me away. The um, lockstep synchronization. You just mentioned that, you know, not our fault. Uh, we didn't make you your choice. I think Robert yeah. Malone predicted they would say that yeah. about a year ago, but we've had that this week here, our leader of the country saying, well, no, we didn't mandate it. It was your choice. <laughs> You know, uh -huh. and people have put up analogies like, yeah, you, you, you're a bank teller. You're being robbed. What are you going to do? 
not give over the money, you know. So, um, yeah, that's a, a common, again, common messaging, common tactics. It's been imposed big picture, really. Yep. Not just where yeah. you are, but where we are, you know. Well, then that's the scary thing to me is that, you know, we've seen things like this in certain areas of the world over time, but never everywhere all at once. This seems like new territory. And, you know, I, I don't want to get too too paranoid and start worrying about a world government and stuff, but it's it's kind of alarming that we have these groups. You know, you have the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization. These are unelected people that are making grand decisions for the population as a whole, or at least aspiring to. And, you know, so it's, it's like, well, when did we decide that these people were in charge? Who put them in charge? And who, who was allowing them to make these decisions? Well, we weren't looking. No, no one was looking. No one right. noticed. Yeah. Um, uh, our former prime minister leader was a WEF, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. graduate. Yeah. Um, so um, it's, it's close up here as well. Do you watch um, um, or, or keep an eye on how the offspring is kind of doing these days? No, I don't. I mean, it, for me, once I was out, it was kind of painful to care. Like, right. and 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 I don't. I need to stay in a place where I'm creative because you know I'm in a different frame of mind. Like, I'm hustling all the time. I'm I'm always working on a bunch of different projects. I got to take care of my family. I don't have the luxury of looking back and being angry, like, well, what are they doing today? You know, it, it just doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. And if I stay in that place where I'm worried about what somebody else is doing, then it's pulling focus from what I need to be doing. And, and, you know, for my own health and my own sanity, I just don't, you know, I had plenty of lawyers come to me saying, oh, we could have a landmark case, you should sue and this and that. And I have no interest in that because I don't want my life tied up into, into that sort of thing, dragging on for a decade of still having to deal with these people that treated me like this. It's Do you think they'll worth- ever realize that they were like that? Do you think they'll ever... Like, I think they'll click one day. You're like, oh God, we, we were horrible to Pete. You know, I, I always, my, my door is always open. I don't, I don't count on it and I don't live for it. But if, you know, if they want to talk, I'm here. But to me, it, historically people, people in that position of power, they don't ever decide that they were wrong about something. They justify it. They find reasons why it was okay. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the same thing that it feels like we're dealing with worldwide right now. Well, no one made you do this or, well, the science changed or, well, we didn't know. The science changed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so for two years, it was trust the science. The science is settled and then drag the goalposts over here and go, well, the science changed. And, you know, which is it? Well, even calling it the change agents, the science, that's not true. The science is a method. The method to find things out never changed. And the science should always be questioning. That's, that's, yeah. you know, that's science, yeah, you know, question it, poke holes in it, try to find a, yeah, a different shoot it way. Down. But now we have the scientific consensus. I'm like, what kind of nonsense is that? Like, just because a handful of people decided that this is how it was supposed to be. Well, who, who decided that they get to decide that, you know, it's just, it can go on and on and on, Yeah, you know? So I, I hope I, I always hold out not for me personally, but I think for people everywhere, I really hope that there's some atonement for what happened. I think a lot of people could do with, with some apologies or just, you know, reconnecting friendships and things. Cause it, it was alarming to watch even before COVID. I mean, here in the States, 
once 2016 started and Trump was running for president and it, it just divided everyone in half and to watch people leading into the 2020 election online going, you know, if you're if you're voting for Trump, un unfriend me now, or if you're voting for Biden, I can't talk to you anymore. And I'm just like, why are you giving up on people who you've known your whole life for these people who don't care about you at all? Like, yeah, they want your vote and make a donation while you're at it. But I, I still can't wrap my brain around cutting real people out of your life for politicians or scientists or some narrative that doesn't have your best interests at heart, or at least doesn't care about you as an individual, but you're going to get rid of people that that do know you and do love you. And, and to me, I think that's sad. And I, I think there's a real opportunity worldwide for reconnection, for reconciliation. And I think people in my position are open to that. I, I don't think there's too many people, and may, I might be wrong because I have a lot of people going, no, God, you're too nice and you should, you know, scorch the earth. I'm like, I don't want to scorch the earth. I had my earth scorched. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I wouldn't wish it on on anybody else. And so I I I am dismayed at the cancel culture and, and the people that, you know, live too much online where everyone is the worst version of themselves, just the nastiest version of themselves yelling at people, but waking up to see who we're mad at today and go on a canceling spree. And I'm yeah. like, I yeah. look at everyone like, well, eventually it's going to come for you. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't take much. Are you still going to be gung ho for this? But I think a lot of people don't. They don't take anything to heart until it affects them personally. And yeah. you know, while there's still tons of people who don't understand my story or my position on things, or you know where I'm coming from, I think if it hit a little closer to home to them, they might. And I've had some people reach out to me over the last few years that. They were like, at first, I thought you were crazy. I thought you were an idiot. I couldn't believe that you would, you know, you know, lose out on that gig over something like this, or you know, put your family in that kind of financial jeopardy. And to me, it was bigger than that. You know, ultimately, no one really cares who's playing drums on Pretty Fly for a white guy. Like that's anyone's welcome to fill that role. But to me, it was bigger than that. And you know. I had a friend of mine say a few months ago, like, yeah, but what, what difference did you really make? And I looked at him and I said, you know, I, I, I wasn't trying to change the world. I had an audience of two. I have two daughters and they were, they were my, my goal. My audience was yep. to show them that there's no opportunity financially or friendship or otherwise that's worth giving up your bodily sovereignty your autonomy that's a hell of a lesson that you can teach them there right i mean that but yeah my that, my girls are huge. teenagers it's yeah. huge but they are when they're teenagers they don't listen anymore they watch so they're only going to take in your actions right so you're like i have to show them that you can you can stand up to a firing squad and you'll you'll come out the other Not side. Not just of talk it. about it, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, so for me that that was the most important thing. Whether anyone else on the planet gets it is irrelevant, but those two understand and and they get it. And we're tight. And they, you know, they've seen me the last two years come out on the other end of it in a much better place than I was. But you know, it's it's kind of like the end of Shawshank Redemption, climbing you know through a two miles of filth and yeah. through a tunnel to come out clean on the other end. But yeah. you, you know, you you get there. 
You're wearing, um, listeners can't see, but I can. You're wearing a shirt that says Defiant. Defiant yeah. On there. And I've seen a couple of, uh, I was looking at your channel, watching your drum, you had that T-shirt on. Uh, and uh, I get why, you know, that's on the shirt after this, you know, our chat. But um, what is is that anything? Yeah. So my I have a new band called The Defiant. And uh, so it's myself. It is Dickie Barrett, the vocalist from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Uh, Greg Camp, the songwriter, guitarist from Smash Mouth. Wow. Johnny Rio, the bass player from the Street Dogs. And Joey LaRocca, the singer, guitar player for the Briggs. And we've been working on a record for the last year, year and a half. And uh, so we've put two songs out um, in the last six weeks. And we have another song coming out in two weeks. And the full record comes out October 27th. And so that's been a real creative rebirth for me, too, of, you know, a lot of times, especially as drummers, you get brought in to replace someone else in a band that's already happening right and right. the first thing first thing a band will do when something needs to be changed is they'll swap out their drummer so it has been i mean it's been 20 years since i've been in on the ground floor of a band starting from scratch and a part of every song and creating everything and so that's been a real a real blessing for me um creatively and all these guys are you know really special people too i mean dickie went through the same sort of thing as me he was the um announcer on the jimmy kimmel show from the beginning oh, okay. for 20 years and um he had the whole might of the disney corporation leaning down on him like hey you got to get you got to get the vaccine and and he said no he walked away from all kinds of money well, there kimmel and, was a shrill for it all yeah shrill, really I mean. shameless shameless yeah. shameless i mean and that he would make disparaging you know jokes or but mostly just crappy comments about people who weren't going to get vaccinated while Dickie was standing there running the show with him was really, it, it was just had to be disheartening. Well, well I think it, it's come out too, that there's uh, been some problems inside the Kimmel sort of group and with behavior and uh, attitudes <laughs> inflicted uh, on, on staff. So, you know, it doesn't sound like they they can be very pleasant people. Yeah. I mean, everyone gets to be, you know, when they're big boy pants, when they're on TV and they, they think they're on the right side of things. But I mean, Kimmel and Colbert and those guys was really it was kind of shameless, the shilling that was done all around and and not not just late night shows, but, you know, the music industry, movie industry, Hollywood in general, like everyone had to get on board with the narrative. And, and you know, there was just this giant train that was lurching forward and you were either on it or you weren't. And those those were your options. And they, Has the industry changed um, or, or sort of resetting back to what it was or is it like a because you've got to presumably interface with this industry somehow still? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly looked at differently. So, you know, even the defiant, like we're we're trying to find our, our way to navigate an industry where the gatekeepers don't want anything to do with us. And, you know, so it's but I, I think in general, most artists, most musicians didn't take a stand on this, didn't take a side, just, you know, did what they had to, to, to go back. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was like, oh, I got to get the shot. Fine. It's like, okay, cool. That's great for you, I guess. But you sort of without even part, thinking about it though, that's the thing. Oh, I just get that. And you know, we're just, well, it's like, it's like you got to get, you know, if you want to drive a certain vehicle, I just get the tick for that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't want to be left out. Go. But no hey, think about what cost. you're doing, man. Think about what you're doing, what you're putting in your body. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even to ask like, hey, what's in this? No, don't worry about it. <laughs> just, yeah, just, it's going to be fine. Just take it. Like, really? That's um, what, one thing I'm sure that our um, listeners would relate to, given my age and I know some of their ages, is that um, a lot of us had a big problem. It was very challenging when you had people like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash, and there are a whole bunch of others, Gene Simmons not so much, but he was also oh, going on, um, who all kind of went that way, and, and you left feeling like, hey, man, I thought you were a kind of a different person from that, and all these years of listening to your music and thinking, hey, I kind of fit with this, this fits with me, with me it sort of gets blown out of the water. And yeah. it's, it's, you kind of, I mean, can I listen can I listen to Hey, Hey, My, My or Coyote or, you know, and it, it, again with the same feeling? Mm-hmm. I know. It's like, how how am I supposed to feel about this music anymore? How am I supposed to feel about that actor who wouldn't shut up that unvaccinated people were monsters? Like, can you separate the art from the behavior? And and I don't know. I think we're all butting up against that. It's a bit difficult, oh. i got to say. It's a, it's, it's a bit of a strain. It is. But and and then, you know, you mentioned like icons like, you know, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and stuff. I, in my world, it's all these punk rock bands singing, you know, about screw authority and well, you know, totally that fight the man. I'm like, it's even more relevant. It's even more yeah. to the point. You know what? What happened yeah. to what happened to bloody punk? What happened to punk? Yeah. I'm like, do you still play those songs with a straight face? Because it, it means nothing. Was it you're, ever authentic in the first right. place? Yeah, was it ever real? I know. Was it just a gimmick? It, was it a gimmick? Because when it when push came to shove, you know, people didn't stand up, and 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 some people did. I don't want to say no one did. I'm I'm not a, a an anomaly here. A lot lots of people took stands, but I, a lot of people who could have, you know, somebody like me, I'm pretty small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. Some drummer from a band from you know the '90s, whatever. Who cares? But there were people in positions where it would have made a difference. And and I'm disappointed in in those people for not, you know, if they believed how I believed and didn't say anything, then that's, you know, that's that's cowardly. I think that's a, a good moment to end our chat on. It's been really interesting chatting with yeah. you, hearing what you had to say. Really, uh, really interesting. And it's uh, one thing I would say, because I've talked to a few people not just in the music business, but who've taken hits. And it does seem that the other side of it is kind of, I wouldn't say, well, I don't know if you would describe it as a better kind of way of being, but most people have been okay with the way it's turned out. Yeah. I think, like I said, you feel clean on the other side. Like if I had gone along with the fake card that was offered me and given up my voice here, I would just kind of be nothing like, yeah, I'd still have, have my gig, but you know, then I'm, then now I'm in hiding. Now I, now I can't say anything. Now I can't speak out. Now I have to go along with things I don't believe in. So uh, that's priceless to me to have that at the other end of this instead of the alternative. And, and to me it was that that's what's made it all worthwhile. If we could lay our hands on hint, hint, um, a track or two from the Define and play it on our radio station. Hint, hint. After yeah. this, hint, hint. What, <laughs> what would you recommend? What would you recommend that we? we I would play? start start with our first song called "Dead Language." Um, it's a it's all about you know the culture that we're in, where everyone is glued to their phones and disconnected from the real world, 
and kind of losing our our grip on community and uh, you know trying to find a way back to that. So that that would be a good place to start. Cool, we'll do that. Pete Parada, uh, ex Offspring drummer, fired for refusing the mandate. Now the defiant. Thank you for coming on our radio station and uh, and and talking with us. It's been great. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.